This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Scott Wedgwood. That is the introduction. That is the that's that's the tweet, as they say. Scott Wedgwood. Um, Mark, good to see you. How are things going? Well, it's it's going pretty good. It's uh, it's bright and early, and uh, it's nice to be able to shut out good teams. It's maybe a little less nice to be able to give up leads against bad teams. But isn't that kind of what you expect when you follow the stars? It's they they should be wearing their reverse retro jerseys if they're going to lose to San Jose in between shutting out Vegas and Los Angeles. Like that's they're they're really going back to the old school Dallas Stars ways and means here. Yeah, I mean, and and I guess from my point of view, you you may throw that in as they're near the end of a road trip that's been going on pretty much for the entire year, and, and they've, they've and, been and on the road weird, since nineteen twenty five, I think. Yeah, weird stuff happens when you when you get tired and you've been on the road a long time. Yeah, and it's, and and it's talk, best to leave it there. <laughs> it, we talked a little bit about that. Even their home games, you know, Florida, uh, sorry, um, even their home games have been like so interspersed between the away games that it's been it's been almost a month since since the team has been home to any degree. Let's start talking about the road trip. There's there's a fun thing, you know, the the um, or at least start talking about the last week, right? So as we were recording our last podcast, the stars were getting you know, within 0.9 seconds of a shutout against the Rangers, uh, dropped that one in OT, uh, almost no, almost came back from a self-inflicted no-show against Calgary, shut out Vegas, <laughs> San Jose, and then they shut out Los Angeles. So top-level, thousand-foot view, Mark, what is your impression of this most recent stretch of games? Well, apparently, every other game is a, is a potential shutout. And then, and then, unfortunately, the other games are are odd losses. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to say what what the nature of this team is. Uh, they've been missing Rope hints, and that oh, throws a that throws a big wrench into everything that this team does. Um, and so, what what I guess it takes me to is, you know, what do you think about Tyler Sagan? Sagan uh, Sagan has been pretty productive here and i think he's been a big reason for the star's success in getting through this stretch man they have needed him and and i remember a really brilliant prescient near near nostradamus level podcaster talking about how dallas was going to have to start experimenting with their line combinations to see what offensive options they had before something bad happened and uh and yeah it's this is not to say this this last stretch of games is not an argument in favor of breaking up the top line and leaving Sagan in Hintz's place even after he's back. But I think it does, in a way, this makes the point about Dallas needing help in the middle six because Sagan has been very productive between Robertson and Pavelski. And yes, obviously a part of that is the between Pavelski and Robertson part of the equation. Many people would be productive in that situation, but it does show, you know, he scored twice against Los Angeles last night. His, his first, you could maybe pin that one a little bit on the goalie, but his second was just vintage, nasty wrister, elevating it in relatively tight, like great look. It, It just sort of shows you that Dallas has a weapon 
in Tyler Sagan. And if they can put some infrastructure around him, he can do a lot of damage. So then, you know, when Hintz gets healthy, the question for the Stars is going to be, how do you, you know, what do you do, right? Because obviously you want Hintz back between his his running buddies and you want to get, you know, the NHL's best line back, you know, at full speed. But you've you've kind of fallen into something here with Sagan. So you're going to want to juggle reintegration of Hintz with continued production from Sagan. And you're going to have to, something's going to, they're going to have to work something out. Right, and, and Sagan with uh, with Robertson and, and Pavelski is kind of a different beast than than that line is with Hints. And with Hints, you you have this this kind of swarm effect where everybody knows where the other person is going to be, and it's a, it's it's one of these Vulcan mind meld type things where where puck just ends up on sticks and it ends up in the net. I think with Sagan, maybe you have him unleashed a bit because he's on a line with other guys who are dangerous and can score, which means that nobody can concentrate on Sagan. And at that point, you know, if, if Sagan isn't being concentrated on, I think what you do is you get back to vintage Sagan. And Sagan used to be able to do that when he was the focal point of a line. Now he can still do it, but he can't do it when he's the focal point of the line. Yeah, and, and just to put some stats behind it, uh, Tyler has uh, eight points in his last six games, which roughly coincides with um, Rupe's absence. And, and more than that, he's not. It's it's even pretty evenly distributed, right? So he didn't he didn't get on the score sheet against Florida, and he didn't get on the score sheet against San Jose. But otherwise, he's been he's had at least a point in all of those games. So it's not just that he had. You know, he ha- he did have three points against Los Angeles, and that, that certainly helps. But he's been consistent, and he's been explosive as a part of that unit. So it's it's been, you know, it's for 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 the Tyler Sagan still has it crew. It's been a pretty good stretch of games, and I think you're very right. He's no longer in a position where you know it's it's give him the puck and get out of the way. But he is. You know, he's got the shot. He's he's a you know a good passer. He has good vision with the puck. Like he's he's making pretty plays. And if you put him with line mates that can execute at a high level, I think what we're seeing is he is more than capable of fitting into that unit and using his skill to augment and create. Right. And then you then you take a step back and you say, what does Rope Hints bring? And does Hints have the ability to be the focus of a line? and and still be productive and maybe bring up the rest of his lines which is something that they've been trying all year to get Sagan to do and it hasn't really worked yeah and so you start taking a look at the players that hints could potentially be paired with somebody like mason marchment who got off to a great start and then has uh, has kind of fallen on hard times and and maybe even somebody like uh like delandria who showed early and and has yeah, he's he's dripped in points, but he hasn't been producing it the way that uh, that he started off this season. Yeah, I, I think, and it's something I think the stars have to try. So on the on the topic of Marchment, right? We went back uh, looking at some fun stats. He's he's scored one goal since December uh, since December first, and that was on December. Uh, sorry, he scored. Apologies, that was unfair. To, that was unfair to Mason Marchment. He scored twice since the the first of December. The most recent of those goals was December thirteenth. He has had 
he had he has had a single assist against uh, the Rangers, but he's had a single assist this calendar year. He's had, you know, I think it's it's let's see, since the start of December, we're going to do some quick middle math, two, four, five, six, seven. He's had something like eight points since the start of December. It's not not what the Stars need, especially when, as you mentioned, a big part of the hot streak earlier this season was Marchment being sort of that catalyst to getting a second unit going. And um, a lot of the stars' offensive fortunes hinge on, you know, it looks like they've, the, it looks like Dallas has found a pretty good thing in, in, you know, Wyatt Johnston and Jamie Benn. Although, how long you expect a teenager to keep up at the NHL level, right? The, the rookie wall is is very, very real when you're a, you know, essentially an amateur player playing his first season against professionals. But um, with Mason Marchment. Firing on all cylinders, Dallas is arguably still a guy short in their middle six. And if, if he's going to go dormant, then all of a sudden this is a team that's that's looking pretty shallow offensively, and that that could be a that could be a pretty significant problem. Right, because I mean the the guy who's been scoring on uh, on Johnston's line has been Jamie Benn, and you talk about a you know a, a rookie hitting the wall. You know you have you have the Benessance, and some of that is is being driven by by Jamie Benn accepting a little less ice time that he has in the past and and being a bit rejuvenated by mm-hmm. that. I think maybe the other thing that that if you look at hints, you have to at least test the numbers with hints and Gurianov. And I know most people don't want to hear about Gurianov and have written him off. But if you want to go back through the years when they play together, even going back back to the AHL, those two as a combo have been really good together. And and it adds an element of speed as part of a line that I don't think the stars have have demonstrated yet, and, and in fact have had you know fast teams have been killing the stars, and it would be kind of nice to see what would happen if we put some speed together on a on a single line for Dallas. I th- I think you're right, and I would go one step further, and and you know this is where Dallas's cap situation comes into play, and. What what I mean by that is like we've Dallas needs help in their middle six and and realistically from a dollar's perspective there's really not an option to do it right now right as they get closer to the trade deadline they'll have more flexibility as cap space accrues but you know it's this is not a team that's in a position that can go out and and trade for Timo Meyer tomorrow right and and additionally right if you look at draft capital they're gonna have to give something up and you know they may not want to do that so this is. Dallas is in a position where they need the help and they're not necessarily at a point where a trade is is easy or necessarily the quickest route. So you can have whatever opinion you'd like on and we've we've been through the wars, right? Whether Guriano has had enough chances, whether he's the one that hasn't capitalized, whether it was the system holding him down, any, you know, whether it's you know, does his player in the spot, all of those pieces, but but at some point you have to look at the situation from the perspective of Okay, well, we now have a proof of concept that Tyler Sagan with Pavelski and Robertson can be an effective offensive line, right? They are still scoring. Um, they are still productive. You're still seeing the Benazans, right? He and Johnston are still playing well with with Delandria or with with Marchmore. They're still doing something. So you're you're kind of in this place. Well, well, with with nothing else to try when when Hintz gets healthy, why not Guryanov? If if not him. Is it, you know, sending Olofsson down to pull up another interchangeable AHL part and hope that that sticks? Like, at some point, that becomes something you at least try, right? Yeah, I would think so. And and the thing about line combinations is if you have a couple that work, 
and you're having a game where somebody's just off or some combination is getting shut down by by a pair, there's nothing that stops you from saying, hey, we, we have uh, Sagan up at the top line. We're going to swap in hints and and throw a different look at them because yeah. that top line functions differently based on who the center is. I, I could not agree with you more. I mean, that's how that's how hot. That, like I, we we preface this conversation. This is not an argument to permanently break up the first line, right? That's the first line. But the way that hockey works, it, it's matchups and it's adjustments and it's who's got their legs tonight and it's a, a bunch of different stuff. And and having the ability, you know, if Pete DeBoer has the ability to spot shift Tyler Sagan with the first unit and generate offense, and has the you know could potentially get get Gurionov or Marchman or somebody else going by spot shifting hence elsewhere in the lineup, he has to try it because that that's the sort of thing in a tight best of seven series when one goal could you know against Calgary right last season when one goal could have swung the entire thing right that's the sort of on the fly adjustment that elite coaches make to coax a win or two out of their team which is how those those elite teams succeed in the kind of heightened expectations of the playoffs versus the marathon of the regular season Right, but I, I don't think you can ignore the fact that it works in the regular season because yes. if you're rolling three strong, offensively capable lines, they're going to find some holes in a regular season defense because one of those three lines is going to get mashed up with a pairing that's that's just not as good as the rest, and and it's a matter of of taking advantage in the course of play of those of those regular season matchups that allows you to just accumulate. Yeah, it's it's the sort of thing, you know, you're you're you look across the lineup sheet and you notice that Ryan Suter's on it and it's the sort of thing that allows you to attack a weakness with vigor. Right. I I say try it. If if it doesn't work, you really haven't lost anything. The nice the nice thing about being in first place is is that you you're playing with a little house money and it gives you an opportunity to experiment a little bit. And and I would say that, you know, outside of this uh so we're going to hit the trade deadline. We're going to bring in uh, you know, s- somebody who's going to fix our uh, our middle six problem, and that's the solution. Before we get to that point, we might as well take a look at everything that we can potentially do within this team, because the prospects of this team moving forward with young, young, solid players is really, really good, and bringing in even a rental is going to cost you something. Yeah. And and so why if you have the chance to not cost yourself something, why not try and and make sure that you don't have to unless absolutely necessary. And and one step further, right? If you can solve this problem internally, not only do you not cost yourself something, but next season or the season after when you start getting guys like Bork or Stankoven in the in the lineup, you've not only not cost yourself something, you've also then added additional resources to the team. It's it's sort two to it's the two for one thing. And and it's it all hinges on do you need the help right now? Right. And if the answer there, if you can somehow find a way for the answer to that question to be no, it could pay dividends down the road. Yeah, I mean, this team is fully setting up with the prospects that they have in the pipeline of being able to roll four lines that can just absolutely pot the puck. And, and the other piece, and we talked about this last week, the Dallas, the Dallas Stars are, are currently on top of the Western Conference. They've got not not just by total number of points, but they've they've inched ahead on winning percentage. They're they're at 649, um, had a Winnipeg at 641, and Seattle at 644. So they are now by any metric on top of the Western Conference. And 
you have you have sort of earned at that stage a little breathing room to experiment. And I'm not I'm not advocating like pack it in and don't care about winning the division and and who cares if if you know Winnipeg catches them or or whatever. But it's it's just a situation where you you now have the flexibility to try things. And they should, in my opinion, this is the time to get very aggressive with your roster and very aggressive trying to do um new things to make yourself better because for the first time in what feels like a generation, the Dallas stars aren't in a position where every single point, every moment, every shift is going to be necessary to eke into the number eight spot and see what happens in the playoffs. Right. And and you also take a look and say this, this team has already played, what was it? Two thirds of their road games for the season. Yeah. So they they not only have banked the points, but they banked the points while spending a long time on the road. In, unless something very odd happens, the point percentage is going to go up when they when they play at home, and and you have to expect that February is going to look pretty good. Yeah, and then geography is their ally as well. Not only will they be home, but the Texas Stars are a short drive up I thirty five away from Dallas, and so they're in a position where if the if the options are testing out thing you know testing out guys from the AHL it's it's very very easy for Dallas and just like like in terms of just literal transit time it's very easy for Dallas to make a decision that they want to take a look at somebody on the Texas Stars and get them into a lineup you're not talking about a flight you're not talking about jet lag you're not talking about you know it, it's and, and I'm sure there's you know somebody that's more knowledgeable on the the legalese of of the league can can maybe point out that I'm wrong but it's the sort of thing where, from a practical standpoint, you could decide in the morning that you wanted to give somebody a try and, and have more than enough time to get them into into Dallas, into warmups, into all that by by an evening game. Yeah, I mean, it's a, there are some technicalities there, but yeah, you're right. You there, there's you know, a one day turnaround. There is pretty pretty easy. Yes, yeah, as, as long as the guy has cleared waivers, as long as the guy has a, a contract with the Stars, you know, as, as long as the back end logistics have been worked out then it's as simple as, hey, after you're done with lunch, hop in the car and be here by warmups. You know, be here, be here by the, you know, the pregame skate. And and that it really is that simple. A message from the attorneys at Greening Law PC, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. If you have been hurt in a car accident, experienced malpractice from a physician, hospital, or were injured on the premises of a business, then call the lawyers at Greening Law. They have represented clients from car accidents to birth injuries to sexual assault cases involving clergy or hospitals. The staff at Greening Law, better known as the Green Team, fights your legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about our fierce Dallas stars. The Green Team is your fierce legal competitor against insurance companies. So what are you waiting for? Consultations are free. They only get paid if you get compensated. So give them a call at 972-934-8900. Again, that number is 972-934-8900. Call now. Principal office is located in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Um, are, are you ready for my uh, pan to uh, Joel Hanley? I would love to hear you talk about Joel Hanley because I've always been very curious about Joel Hanley and, and things Hanley related. Well, let, let's just say Joel Hanley had not played a game in uh, – I think two, 2023 and he stepped into the lineup last night paired paired with Ryan Suter and his goal four percentage was well north of 50 percent his his coursey was uh, was extremely positive he did Hanley type things which is you don't get a whole lot of scoring opportunities but the scoring opportunities you get totally outweigh the scoring opportunities that teams get against you. 
And and in watching the broadcast last night, you 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 know the announcers notice it. How many times did Hanley make a good play with his yeah. stick, where where there was an opportunity for a scoring chance, and and Hanley just shut it down. And and he he's like a he's like a human wet blanket on the back end. He takes perhaps more fun. <laughs> and I assure, I assure you, you like. listeners, we mean human wet blanket as a compliment. It's, 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 that's a good thing. Thing. Yeah, exactly. He, he takes, he takes all of the excitement out of the game, which as a fan, you can't really like, but if you're talking about a guy who's sitting in the press box for, for game after game after game, and, and then you can kind of bring him in and, and he, whatever he does on the third pair is more positive than negative. That's the kind of player you need on this team. And and I'm always torn on this because I hate giving up a spot. And I think Thomas Harley deserves to be up with the Dallas Stars. And the logical place for him to be would be where where Hanley's spot is. But every time I see Hanley on the ice, he seems to do good stuff. And, and I think ultimately the coaching staff tends to agree because every time we get to the playoffs, you have Hanley starting out as the seventh man and then he it turns into a guy who plays every single playoff game. And yeah, and that's a that's kind of, you know, where was Taylor Fadoon? Well, he's he's uh, he's no longer with the organization because he couldn't handle it in the playoffs. You know who stepped in? Joel Hanley. Yeah. Year after year after year. I mean, it's it's to me the the good and the bad uh, that that one, you know, wet human wet blanket, right? The good and the bad of, of Thomas Hanley is the good of it is he to his credit, right? Whether he's been off for a week or a month or whatever, you can put him in the lineup and you know exactly what you're going to get. I think it's sometimes sometimes the frustrating thing for Stars fans is is that you know exactly what you're going to get and comes back to the classic question of is is getting those spot starts out of Hanley as effective and productive as they might be, is that more valuable to this team at this point than getting a look at a guy like Thomas Harley or or some other piece or that that might, you know, or even, you know, binging someone else, right? But it's does does having a security blanket like Joel Hanley sometimes prevent this team from taking a more honest look at what they have defensively? Probably. Yeah. And, and you know, we aren't ones to throw anybody under the bus, but there are certainly some options for seeing some press box time box time on this team that that haven't. And uh, and maybe we just leave it at that. I mean, do we have to leave it at that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for that diatribe yet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you're you know, you're right. It's it's one of those things where it's it's we've got to figure out what this defense looks like when the chips are down. Yep. And um, maybe, maybe for this season, the end, they've just decided that that answer is going to be Joel Hanley, but um, you'd think that there's more to consider. Yep. Um, any thoughts on, on Scott Wedgwood? <laughs> he is doing everything. My goodness, that a backup goaltender, he, he's, he's the perfect guy, right? You, you, you feel generally confident when he plays no, he's not, you know, performance-wise, I don't think there's anybody that's worried about, you know, did we invest too much in Jake Ottinger if Wedgwood's going to do this, right? He's not He's not going to steal the number one job, but I think it's reached a point where, you know, no, he's not always perfect, and and yes, there are some games where you where you get to see, oh, yeah, look, he's definitely a backup, um, but 
I, I certainly don't look at, you know, backup games and schedule games and cringe the way I used to. And, and he, he was fantastic against Los Angeles last night. That was a, that was an earned shutout. He, he made some real good stops throughout. Yeah. The, the expected goals for the Kings coming into uh, going into the third, uh, I mean, they, they put everything at him and he just stood tall or, or, or I guess maybe he didn't stand tall. A lot of his saves were made uh, on his back or, or reaching for pucks while he was sprawled out on the ice. I mean, it, it, it kind of re- reminded me of, of Anton Hudobin, the way he fought. That's a, re- that's a really good comparison. You, it, it did because it, it's very, very similar, right? Ben Bishop was the unquestioned number one, but obviously wasn't going to play all the time. And Hudobin was not, he was not there to take the starting job from Ben Bishop, but he was there to be ready if he had to. And I think that's a really good parallel comparison. I'm, I'm getting those, getting those same vibes out of, out of, uh, out of wedge right now. And that he's, he's just always there. He's always ready. The the team just based on comments when he plays poorly, like the team seems to like the guy. They seem to, they seem to play hard for the guy. They certainly, um, you know, they, they certainly fought for that shutout during when I think at one point, um, Razor mentioned how the Kings were, were, you know, kind of pride had kicked in late in that game and they were trying to break the goose egg and, and Dallas rose to the challenge. So I seems like Dallas has a good one and you can kind of look at the goaltending and, and not only does it help at the NHL level and that you've got a guy that can step in, but there are some interesting pieces you've talked about in the past, um, you know, in the pipeline, there's some interesting pieces at, at the AHL and, and even Iowa levels and having Wedgwood doing the job that he's doing in the NHL means that that Dallas's longer term goaltending options can be playing full time versus having to kind of force themselves into an uneven timeshare with the you know superlative Jake Ottinger. Yeah. And and you know, from my mind, I think Wedgwood needed last night. And and you know, I I've been pretty positive about him. Um, but I was looking at the record, which was kind of five hundred, and and the last game he was out was was maybe his worst game that he's had had with the stars. And and so when I saw Wedgwood on a back to back against the Kings, I I I had a, a a slightly sinking feeling, and and this game just brought me back to exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that that Wedgwood is is exactly where this team needs to be with a backup goaltender, and and I I'm back to you know if he's if he's uh, if he's getting his periodic game, I'm happy, and the team's going to stand up, and they're going to have a real good chance to win the. I mean, the interesting thing, and I think Wedgwood is a part of this equation. We Dallas has been able. They mentioned last night. I believe Dallas is. It's either one of four or one of five teams in the NHL that hasn't lost three games in a row yet. And on the surface, that's awesome. It speaks to consistently. It speaks to skill. It speaks to execution. It tells you. It tells you a really good story about who the Dallas Stars are. Then when you dig one layer deeper, right? They missed their starting goaltend. You know, Jake Ottinger got hurt for a while. And, you know, Rupe Hintz has been down. And so not only is Dallas one of four teams that hasn't had to um, that hasn't had a three game losing streak yet, but they've managed to be one of you know those teams without a three game losing streak while having to lean on a backup goaltender in some pretty high profile situations. And so that that can't that that has to make you feel really good about the way that this roster is constructed, that that they can sort of swap him in and no he's not to your point like statistically like he's he, you know there's there's some issues he doesn't doesn't look like he handles rebounds as cleanly as Ottinger all you you can kind of see 
that if if Wedgwood was going to be your 82 game starter, there's there's some stuff that would concern you. He's he's a little bit more of a battler than relying on his on his positioning. There are some issues with rebound control. Uh, you know, every now and then something will get by him that, that probably shouldn't. Things that you know over the course of a long season, starting every game are going to be a huge you know huge issue. But in short stretches, you know, he manages to lock it down. He's been he's been the guy behind the guy, and and that's. That's what, you know, every team need, you know, the, the high end teams need that because this is just, you know, the NHL is not, and hasn't been in a while, a league where your starter plays 70 plus games anymore. You, you, you can't do that at the intensity you need at the, you know, and, and succeed. Yeah. And, and here, you know, knock on wood, the stars have been very fortunate in the number of injuries that they've had, but the injuries that they've had have been to key people. And, and the nice thing about how the stars have responded is that when their key people have gone down, somebody has absolutely stepped up their game and, and, and the team hasn't lost much at all as a result of that. And, and I think that speaks to the quality of the, of, of the people stepping in. Yeah. And, and, and it's been, it's been a good thing to watch now, Mark, we did have one other question. So this came through and, and, uh, malfunction junction i'm i'm assuming is a pronunciation here but it's oh, talking guy, about yeah it's it's talking about stepping up which is why i think this is a pretty good segue but but the question is what are the expectations of playing bottom six talent olafson tough day blumel kiviranta and student Nietzsche with the stars current bottom six bring up bork multiple exclamation points we need more top six talents not an overabundance of bottom six talent uh kind of gets to the theme of what we're talking about doesn't it i i mean yeah uh you know, I, I, I've actually had this conversation on Bork before, and, and Bork is on a development curve. And the Bork that you're seeing in Texas right now com- uh, compared to the beginning of the season is better leaps and bounds. He's mm-hmm. adjusting to the to the professional game, and uh, he, he's coming around. Does that mean that I think that he's ready to step in as uh, as, as a contributing you know middle six guy? Um, yeah, it, it's probably worth taking a look at. Um, I, I certainly don't have a problem with that. But I think what what you need to do when looking at the Texas Stars and who's coming in and and moving into the lineup is what hole are you trying to fix and what skill set are you trying to uh, trying to bring in, and and then you kind of mix and match with what you have in Texas because there's a wide variety of people in Texas with different skill sets, and so you can kind of find your hole and and then kind of pick out the guy who, who fits that hole most naturally. Yeah, and, it, well, and I would also say getting into semantics a little bit, you're not necessarily like looking at that list. If you're calling up a guy like Bork, you're not, it, it's the, the notion of calling up bottom six talent, right? You're not trying consciously to do that. I think right now the stars are very much trying to find and call up middle six talent, right? I think that's how they, they hope that, you know, they hope that that might be what Olafson could give them Blue Mel as well. You know, Kiviranta, Tufty, Student each to some degree. I, I think that that that's probably not what's going on there. But when you call up a guy like Bork, I think you're very much calling him up because you hope that he makes an impact higher up the lineup. And and I agree with that development curve. That's where you get into is is he better off? You know, it's it's is he better off? Trying to develop as a top six option while being a bottom six option at the Dallas level, or is he better off staying in, in Cedar Park and continuing to work as more of a primary piece? Well, I, I think what you end up having is, you know, the the first call up was Blue Mel. 
and and they didn't bring Blumel up as a bottom six option. They brought him up to score because he was he was just on a on a heater, and and they gave that a few games, and and it wasn't quite working out. Um, they could very easily do the same thing with Bork. Now the interesting thing is that if you talk about the scoring talent down in Texas, whether you like it or not, the two guys you're really talking about are are probably Blumel and Bork. Mm-hmm. And they're both AHL rookies. Uh, yeah. You you don't necessarily have the experience with those guys that you would have with some of the other people. And and so, you know, yeah, you can try it. But I I think I, I think they're just kind of looking and saying Bork is on a great development curve uh, with Texas, and we want that to continue. And and you no, know, we'll see. Later on in the season, if there's a if there's a chance, you know, if Gurionov continues to have his struggles, uh, then maybe that is an option and give him a few games. And if he sticks, he sticks. I mean, that that's kind of what what happened with Jason Robertson. That's certainly what happened with Rupe Hints back in the day. Yeah. You, know, you get the opportunity. And when you get that opportunity, you grab it and you give him a reason not to send you back down. Yeah. And that's that's you're exactly right. That's that's what ultimately happened with Hintz. That's that's what happened with um, it happened much more quickly. But it's what happened with Wyatt Johnston. The, you yep. know, they, they they decided very. He made that decision for them fairly early on. But his his path was through the you know was through juniors and and right up until he played well enough that it wasn't. Yep. Yep. And, and very easily could have been the same choice with Stankoven, except for uh, except for the Memorial Cup. Uh, so, you know that that's that's. Something again. We, we probably need to have an entirely different conversation about what the what next year's stars start start looking like. But you know, I, I I agree. There's there's talent down in Texas. I'm not sure that all of the talent is is where you want it to fall uh, as, as far as you know scoring and or middle six. Yeah, there probably there are some middle six contributors in contributors in there, but I don't know that they're ready to come in and make an impact. I feel like if they were, this team would be using them, right? We wouldn't see the revolving door. Um, you know, we've, we've got Olofsson that has been in, in the lineup for a little while now, but I think you're right. If, if Bork, this team has, you know, Nil and co have moved slowly in the past, but they've moved. I think if somebody was given, you know, given Hintz's injury, given some of the recent, you know, kind of stumbles, if somebody was ready, they'd be here. So I think we have to assume that, that for right now, Stars management likes what they they like what we're at they like where we're at. Um, it's yeah. it's it, and to me honestly for the offense right that's it's more defensible there. Like this is this is a team that is very very good offensively. And I'm, I'm you know stalling as the site loads because I want to tell you exactly where they fall in the league scoring. But you know this is a team that thanks NHL for being down. But this this is a team that can score goals and scoring goals hasn't been a problem. So I, I do think that they've earned a little bit of you know a, li- a little bit of deliberation when it comes to how to fix the offense because even without hints they're still doing you know it's not not okay right but they're still they put five up against Florida five up against Calgary, four against LA, three against San Jose, four against Vegas. You know, New York is a very good defensive team. They only got one. They beat the island. So it's it's one of the, they this team can still score. I think where where it's much more acute and where they need to figure something out is on the defensive side of the ball. And and they just need to find a way to um they they need something in that group and we'll we're just going to wait and see when they get it. If yep. they what they do and when they do it. Fully agree. 
Well, that, I, I think that's that nobody wants to hear my AHL thoughts much anymore. So I would say that's uh, let, let's wrap it up and let's go have a good weekend. Let's have a great weekend. Here's hoping um, that, that a little bit of home cooking does the stars well. We've got looking at the schedule. Um, Arizona. It, Arizona. And then a fun one against Buffalo. It's, it's Arizona. It's kind of an amuse bouche. And then we've got Buffalo, Carolina and New Jersey next week, which should be a very, very nice stretch of, of games against a very interesting team. So we will see what the stars give us. As always, Mark, thank you for your insight. KT, for doing all the actual work behind the scenes, stitching it together. Thanks for the listens. Don't forget to like us. Don't forget to download us. Please don't forget to like us. We, we crave the validation. And we will speak soon. Yep. And let's cross our fingers and get Rope Hints back. That's right. This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal.